take charge of your leadership development. Join our How to Take the Lead Substack community for bonus materials, exclusive content, and discussions that will challenge and change the way you lead. Visit howtotakethelead.com to find out more. They seem to be put up on a pedestal and, and it drives me mad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew, I knew your soapbox moment was coming. You're listening to How to Take the Lead with Lee Griffith and Carrie Ann Wade. Two corporate colleagues turned business besties who question everything we've ever learned about leadership. What started with us putting the world to rights over a gin after work is now a weekly show challenging the myths and perceptions and exploring what leadership looks like in the modern day. We'll also be sharing our experiences and stories along the way. You can find our show notes at howtotakethelead.com. Hit subscribe to receive new episodes every Thursday. Plus, we'd love for you to rate or leave a review of the show. And please share your thoughts and stories on the topics we cover using the hashtag how to take the lead. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode four of uh, How to Take the Lead podcast series. And it's me, Carrie Ann, and I am here with the lovely Lee. Hello, Lee. Hello. Thank you to everybody who is joining us to listen to this episode. And as always, really keen to hear people's thoughts. So after people have listened, would love for people to comment, tell us what they think about what we've talked about. But in this episode, we are going to be focused on emotional intelligence oh it sounds very sophisticated (laughs) (laughs) and you know what I think people think that and actually it's really not when you really start to think about it it's not at all but it sounds like some big scary lofty lofty topic but we want to cover what is emotional intelligence in the context of leadership that's the plan for this conversation and I did a lee in my preparation for this uh, session I thought I'm going to be more lee you mean get it all wrong and misquote it (laughs) a leeism no no although I've been doing I've been doing good on that front um, in this series so far myself no I thought what would lee do lee would google it I'm going to start start out with a good old fashioned Google and just recap what Google said around emotional intelligence so that hopefully it feels slightly less scary as we start our conversation. So emotional intelligence, according to the wonderful world that is the internet, is the ability to understand, use and manage your own emotions in positive ways. And in doing so, you might be doing a number of things. You might be relieving stress you might be communicating more effectively, empathising with others, looking to overcome challenges and potentially diffusing conflict. So actually, Mm. it's just all about how we as individuals and humans kind of understand and manage our sort of own emotional input and impact, I guess. That's what I was taking from, Mm. uh, from that. So I don't know initially if you've got any thoughts about that, Lee, but also taking it that one step forward, how you might describe emotional intelligence in the context of leadership. Yeah, I like that definition. And I, th- I I agree that a lot of it, it does start with yourself. So being a, aware and recognising your emotions when they arise, but using that to bring awareness in your interactions with other people in order to build connection and to be adaptable in different situations is kind of how I look at it. But it's a really interesting one, because I think being emotional at work is something that has, I think it's got better, but still has quite a stigma attached to it. And that old advice of, you know, don't wear your 
her heart on your sleeve. You I know, was waiting you're... for you to get that saying wrong there, Lee, with that little stumble, stutter. I was like, hang on, we're going to have our first Leeism of the series. <laughs> no, I got it right. I you remembered. Did, did. <laughs> As a woman, you know, you can be told you're too sensitive or you're don't be dramatic or, you know, you need to toughen up and or man up. You know, that's the phrase Ugh. that absolutely... I was going to say yes. a swear word then and I stop myself. So I, th- I think people are being more accepting now um, in the leadership world of emotional intelligence, but there's more work to do. And I think that the other thing is that their emotions in and of themselves is you can have more than one emotion at one time and they can be conflicting of each other. And that can be quite a personal challenge, but also even more complex when you're dealing with other people and that interaction with other people. You asked me the question, which was how, how, how would I describe it in terms of leadership? And I haven't answered that yet. I was, I was just going to come in on your point you made there about having different emotions at play, because that's absolutely true, isn't it? You don't experience things, whether that's in the workplace or, or outside of it, often where you only have one emotional reaction or, or one emotional response to that so actually I think in the context of emotional intelligence it's about exactly the point you made around having that self-awareness to think about how you're going to manage those conflicting emotions and and which of those might you need to kind of bring to the forefront to be able to diffuse a situation overcome a challenge empathize with others and which of those might you have to park and and deal with in a different space and a different time to support yourself because I guess you're right isn't it is that conflict of of dealing with more than one emotion and also that potential conflict of dealing with your own personal reaction Mm -hmm. and response to something versus that of your wider team or your organization but sorry I was just responding to what you said but appreciate I've I've posed you a question that I've not let you answer yet Lee. (laughs) Well no I I think you've you've raised an important point and I always look at it from a leadership perspective your mood or your emotion is the thing that sets the tone and standard for others and if if we look at it through the lens of vulnerability and showing your emotion if you're not vulnerable as a leader you are not encouraging other people to be even if you think you are your actions will speak volumes more than than your words so whilst you might be encouraging people to, to speak out and speak up and come and talk to you open door blah 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 if you don't show your vulnerability and show when things are getting you down or when things might be a challenge or whatever, then you're not giving that permission to your team. So I think that's a really important part of leadership and yeah, the precedent that you set. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. And, and, uh, you know, I guess working through the pandemic for many people has provided some of those really extreme sort of challenging situations where there be highly mm. emotional responses. And and I remember working for my um, chief executive at the time and having to deal with a really difficult situation where we were having to um, manage and plan the communications around the, the death of a staff member from covid which is just you know the worst possible thing we could be thinking we'd have to communicate and actually Mm -hmm. the way the pace everything that was going on at work I remember being in front of my chief executive and bursting into tears about it because I just found it all like really difficult and actually I was thinking we're finding this difficult and we're doing the worky bit of it imagine this person's family imagine this person's team it's all it all just feels a bit too much Mm -hmm. and then I do remember thinking at the time like oh god how's my chief exec going to react to this actually he was 
so I don't know so empathetic I guess about my own reaction to it that actually it it didn't make me feel like I'd done the wrong thing by expressing that emotion and Mm -hmm. he actually said it would be really strange if we weren't responding to this situation in this way because it it wouldn't be natural and it wouldn't be human for us not to be upset by having to deal with something like this and I could tell that he was shaken and upset as well not, not to the point of of tears but enough to know that that made me feel okay that I was having that reaction so mm-hmm. yeah I do think it's there's something about demonstrating sort of your own integrity and authenticity as a leader yeah. isn't there like you were saying if if you're not prepared to be vulnerable or yeah. or demonstrate that how can you expect other people to be yeah I mean you you're talking you talk about crying at work I've I've cried many a time at work but I remember one boss that I had who didn't do tears and I remember crying and they were, they were like oh, I don't know what to do I don't know what to do. like literally it was a and that made me worse and, and then I was really conscious afterwards of not wanting to show that vulnerability or emotion again now I'm can easily cry but my crying isn't often as a result of me feeling upset I'm one of those people that can get angry frustrated and then cry as a reaction to that so actually it's not I get angry quite a lot so I can easily be triggered I was going to say, note note to self, if I ever make Lee cry, it basically just means she's really peed off with me and I've made her very angry. But obviously I get upset at other things at other times, but usually in the workplace, my tears would come out of a frustration Mm. at a situation and the fact that I couldn't express that frustration frustrated me even more. So it was that... It was just a very messy, messy situation, yeah. but it's had quite a lasting impact on me. Yeah, and I think you made a point earlier about adaptability and being able to demonstrate that adaptability as a leader. And I think that, you know, that uh, example that you've just given, your boss didn't do tears. I mean, that just goes to show a leader who's not going to be adaptable. And I think you have to realise as a leader that not everyone is going to deal with a situation in the same way as you. Not everyone's mm. going to respond in the same way as you. But if they don't, that doesn't mean it's the wrong response. You have yeah. to be adaptable and supportive and work through that with people people as their leader so Mm. um, I'm going to move this on slightly Lee but I think it fits nicely because we've just been talking about sobbing crying showing all of that emotion and and maybe that links a little bit with with the perception I think that some people have in the leadership space in the in the workplace that all of these things we've talked about about around kind of communicate this is about like communicating building empathy building trust building relationships often those sorts of things can be seen as soft skills and I feel a soapbox moment potentially coming on here because (laughs) I know throughout this series and others of take the lead we don't agree with these things being soft skills but what what are your thoughts on that and and does it talking about leadership Um, needing to be more emotionally intelligent kind of get badged into that perception that that's just soft skills that that are not particularly important yeah it's a really interesting one I was reading some research a, a while back which said one of the most common complaints of new leaders is that they lack empathy and it's usually because they've probably excelled as a an individual in their area and then they've never had to deal with that team dynamic before. And I think this absolutely comes down to the fundamental point that organisations and individuals don't value these so-called soft skills, which are actually, I want to call them bloody hard, complex skills. (laughs) Because 
they take a lot of work. They are so dynamic in the sense of every, you, you can say maths is really hard or building a skyscraper is really hard and really complex, but they're not because they've got a formula that you follow. And yes, you need to be skilled and specialist in that area, but usually there's a manual or something that you follow. When you come down to these soft skills, how you communicate with people, how you sh- how you demonstrate active listening, how you connect with people, empathy, all of that. It is so complex because it is so different for every single person. And we can look at it through our own lens and what we believe our context to be. But then we have to understand it from the context of others. Every single person's context is different. You know, this is a really, really intricate skill and understanding that leaders need to have. Yet they are devalued so much Whereas the skills that can be learned in terms of, are you good at maths? Can you do a spreadsheet? Blah, blah, blah. They seem to be put up on a pedestal and, and it drives mm. me mad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I knew, I knew your soapbox moment was coming because we've had this conversation before about exactly as you say, like things that are specific to maybe a profession. So finance, HR, whatever, uh, are often seen as far more important from a sort of skill point of view than those perceived softer skills but actually like you say often you can teach some more of those professional skills in a way that you really can't teach somebody about being more empathetic about how to diffuse conflict about being more diplomatic potentially you know it's that they're not necessarily things that you can just put someone on a a course on and teach them how to do it's actually something that people have to practice and people have to uh, there's a bit of me it feels like people have to want to be able to demonstrate those skill sets people have to want to actively listen to somebody empathize with somebody in a way that it's different from being finance person Getting to CEO level is not easy. Staying there is harder still. The average UK CEO tenure is less than five years. Meanwhile, 50% of executives don't make 18 months in post. That's why it's essential you don't leave those first days and weeks in your dream job to chance. Being intentional with what you see, say and do is a must-have first step if you're going to make the right impact. With the 100-day plan, I help you get clear on your big vision, set a strategy that connects and the communications plan to deliver it. Using my six steps to make an impact framework, you'll have intensive one-to-one support, blending coaching, strategy days, and done with you consulting, as well as my expert eye on all your messaging and communications. Visit sundayskies.com to find out more. If you're enjoying this episode of How to Take the Lead, please hit subscribe and why not leave a review or rating. We'd also love to hear your stories and thoughts on today's topic. Please DM us, our links are in the show notes, or tag us into your socials using the hashtag How to Take the Lead. I guess with that in mind, and us talking about the perceptions of sort of emotional intelligence and, and the types of skills that we're talking about, how as a leader can you actually demonstrate that you are operating with emotional intelligence? What, what are your thoughts around that, Lee? Well, I think going back to your previous point, um, which, which links 
to, to this question is that it is something that you can work on and improve. And actually, it's one of those unique areas almost that you can, it almost gets better with age because older people, or as you get older and you have more experience, you do tend to become better with your emotional intelligence which is quite an interesting and there's data to back this up that's not just me with some you know stereotype (laughs) that I'm forcing on you (laughs) so it is that is quite interesting Daniel Goleman written quite a lot around emotional intelligence and what's called EQ that and that the fact that actually your EQ is a better skill set and marker than your IQ for people but he looks at five areas in terms of how he defines it or how you demonstrate it there's the thing around self-awareness which we've been talking about a lot that thing about being curious inquiring what's important to that person that you're talking to or engaging with or understanding for yourself what's important to you self-regulation so removing that up and down of emotion that can happen leading by example which we've already talked about quite a few times motivation is the third area that he talks about a lot so understanding and we we mentioned this a lot going back to the why understanding the why what what your why is and what someone else's why is and how you use a, a form of optimism to motivate and again i think we've, we've talked about the the fact that leaders can often do scaremongering tactics to try and get action from their teams but actually there's a the emotional intelligence around optimism is a really great driver and and takes greater action empathy we've, we've talked a lot about and then the social skills so that connection to communication and for me I think there's there's the skills of listening making sure that you're being fully involved in that conversation and fully understanding of the other person it's really important we don't bring our own judgment into discussions that we're having as a leader and that we don't go to that place of trying to figure out a solution which particularly if you're a high achiever you might want to get in there and tackle something straight away but that can turn a lot of people off and so it is that thing for me about being curious and asking lots of questions open-ended questions don't close down a discussion and listen for emotions in people so it might be some physical things that you can see in people but it might be words that they use to then go on and express an emotion and I suppose the other thing is how you then respond to someone so using words to say that you recognize what someone's feelings are that you empathize with oh that sounds really upsetting or I can understand why you're feeling like that is a really good way to demonstrate that empathy and emotional intelligence of someone else and gets them to open up. Absolutely. And it's it's funny, you should talk about kind of then what do you do once someone has shared with you? How do you respond to that? Because I've just been doing some training today, actually, in my day job around supporting people in your organisations to speak up when potentially something goes wrong. And, and there was a, a huge amount in there about how you recognise how challenging it can be for people to actually share where they're at and mm-hmm. raise concerns. And actually, a really important part, not only of that, it, 
is saying what you're going to do about it and reflecting back what you've heard and checking in that what you've heard is what that person's trying to say to you but just the basics of thanking somebody for sharing something that might actually have felt like a challenge for them can go a long way in terms of that connection and that empathy so yeah it's interesting that you mentioned that Lee and a couple of things that you've said have really resonated with me so it's funny that you should talk about how with age you probably <laughs> your, your EQ so your emotional uh, quotient uh, probably improves because of the experience that you bring but Mm. I've had experiences before where I've started new very senior roles and actually been put into some quite difficult challenging conversations with people I actually had somebody say to me afterwards after a particularly challenging conversation I was really surprised at how well you handled that person and how you were able to diffuse that situation I wasn't expecting you to be able to do that so well because you're so young so I do think, you know, that there's the flip side to that, which is making an assumption that that maybe yeah. younger people don't come with that level of emotional intelligence, which perhaps they do because maybe certain things come more naturally to them in terms of, of the way that they deal with things. But but the other point that you made that really resonated with me, and actually I was thinking about this in terms of, you know, we like to share some, always like to share some top tips. So I don't want to, to overdo it, but the judgment piece I think is really mm-hmm. important as a leader, trying your very best to be non-judgmental. And I know everyone comes with their own judgments and their own biases around certain situations. But I think as a leader, you really have to try and put those judgments aside and be very yeah. open-minded about the the conversations that you're having with people mm. what you're hearing and and the potential actions you might need to take so yeah mm. I thought it was a, a really important point that you made there Lee around the, the judgment. I think that was one of my biggest learning areas as, as a leader as I was going up the my kind of career ladder it was about that judgment because I was using my experience and my context which was someone who's very driven very focused complete a finisher wanted to get stuff done obviously then progressed at quite a young age to quite a senior position and then had junior members of staff and and I would sometimes have that view of, well, I've done your job, I understand it. And therefore, I, I, I poo-pooed almost sometimes when they couldn't do something. Or And I don't just mean that from a skill set. If they were generally didn't want to make a phone call or something <laughs> because or couldn't connect with someone. And I, was, and, I, and I was like, but I did that. And so I had to learn that lesson yeah. around not putting myself or putting them in my shoes, I needed to to turn it the other way around. Absolutely. It's something I've had quite a lot of conversations about throughout my, both my management and my leadership uh, career, I would say, around also the sort of expectations that you have of your own self can't always be the expectations that you have of other Mm. people, because other people, as you say, are very different drivers and very different experiences and just because something might make me really driven in the workplace doesn't mean that that's what's what's driving and motivating someone else so again I think that's another way as a leader that you really need to sort of demonstrate and act on your emotional intelligence by having that kind of insight into the way that other people operate as well as the way mm-hmm. that, you, that you operate yourself so that's a good segue Lee so we're starting now to talk about other people and how we're supporting other people as leaders mm. but I guess my my question to you is and I'd, I'm not entirely convinced there's a one-size-fits-all answer here and, and we're going to get this right but 
But how as leaders can we start to think about building emotionally intelligent teams and how can we potentially, I guess, actively start recruiting for emotional intelligence? It's an interesting one. And I think if I, if I tackle the first part of it, I think it goes back to that previous point around the standard that you set. So you, you build your team only to be emotionally intelligent if you're showing that yourself. But I think, and it goes back to one of our previous episodes where we were talking about strengths becoming weaknesses or superpowers can become your weakness. And I think the same is said of emotional intelligence. So if you overuse one type of EQ, then that can become a weakness. So if you overemphasize with someone, you might not take the tough calls that are needed in the team, for example. So you've got to find a balance. And that's a really important skill to demonstrate in your team, I would say. And I think the other thing for for leaders that they need to do is to make sure that they're seeking that feedback and receiving honest feedback. So that isn't about just generally how things are going, but but feedback that can help them understand their impact as a leader, including their emotional intelligence. And I've seen this work really well in organisations where they might have, I don't know, a CEO advisory group or something like that, where they'll get a really small number of people together who just tells it like it is and how it's feeling for people. And, And that can then give you as a leader quite a bit of reflection. And it's a different voice to perhaps the ones that you're surrounding yourself with every day. I I really like that, actually. And it's funny you should mention that in terms of seeking feedback, because I think there is something for me about how you work with your team or your teams or your wider organisation about understanding what it feels like. And I think that's what we're talking about here, isn't it? What does it feel like to be part of this team? What does Mm. it feel like to be part of this organisation? And actually, if what you're hearing back is that it doesn't actually feel that great, then you move on to like, so what do we need to do? What do we need to act on uh, to make that positive impact Mm. and make the change? So for me, I think, yeah, that's a a really important point that you make, Lee. And and I think there is uh, something for me, and I, I don't think this is the be all and the end all, but I do think that when I have worked with teams and in organizations that I would consider to have a fairly high EQ, that they have generally tended to be in places where the recruitment processes have been very much more values based rather Mm. than skills based yeah Um, and I think that does have an impact on how you start to build and and recruit for emotionally intelligent teams because you are testing and asking people to demonstrate something quite different if you go through a values based recruitment process and if you're going through a process where you have to demonstrate your you know, the best accountant or the best whatever. So um, yeah. so for me, I think that that could be, you know, one opportunity to start to think differently about how you recruit to teams. So I think that that goes back to that point around EQ and IQ and it absolutely plays in on the recruitment process because I think EQ trumps IQ when you're recruiting. So completely agree. I love that. I feel like that's going to be the quote of the episode, EQ trumps IQ. 100% agree with you. So I feel like we could probably talk about this topic for much longer, but I'm conscious of people's time listening to us. And so I'm just gonna try to round us up, I think, with some top tips, as we always like to, to share those top tips and how to's. So Lee, what would your how to's be? 
I would say my number one thing would be remember that you set the standard as a leader. You're the person that holds the power. Your juniors are not going to be open and share their feelings if you don't go there first. So I think for me, that's the top takeaway. Could I also make a recommendation because I've just finished a book I was reading that I absolutely love. Go for it. And it's called Connect by David Bradford and Carol Robin. And it's about building exceptional relationships with people, but they completely bring in together emotional intelligence and the IQ part as well. So much around interpersonal dynamics in this book lots of different scenarios and case studies that you could work through as a leader and some really great self-reflection questions in there. I've got like a hundred pages turned down in this book. There's so much <laughs> that, that just struck me. So I will put it in the show notes, but I just wanted to give that book a shout out. <laughs> Brilliant. I, lo- I love a top tip that's also a recommendation. So um, thank you so much, Lee. And uh, as always, don't disagree with your top tips. I guess for me, uh, I would just maybe add in there something around taking the time to reflect and understand your own perspective, your own reactions to certain things, possibly even some of your triggers, mm. so that you can be more aware of how you might manage some of that as a leader in the workplace. And I definitely think just being aware of that judgment piece, once you said that, that really resonated with me, Lee. So really trying to to try your absolute best to be as non-judgmental as possible in that space as a leader, I think is, is really important if you want to build those relationships and connections. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you're the first to receive new episodes when they drop every Thursday. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you would rate it or leave a review. And let us know your thoughts and own experiences. Get in touch with either of us on LinkedIn, Twitter or Instagram. Or use the hashtag #HowToTakeTheLead. the lead. Until next week, get out there and take the lead.